This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Actually, that's perfect. Let's do that. Let's let me put my... my... <laughs> we are live. What's live. up, y'all? Hey. Yeah, we're over here talking. Look at the time. Look at the nah, time. That was on, that was on, that oh, was on me. You, you could have been gone live. Hey, everybody. What's going on, dude? We apologize. Good morning. It's very, it's the crack of, uh, it's not the crack of dawn, because, you know, it's not so nah, nah, we In fact, we got three more days till we get to the uh, Stoll Solstice, the longest day in the Northern Hemisphere, so... The S-U-L uh, solstice? Solstice. Uh, always. Always the solstice. That's right. That's right. That's right. On this little bit, bit of uh, bit of the universe where we are. That's right. That's right. The solstice. The longest day. Wow. This is solstice week. Yes. It's, <sighs> it's, 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 it's Juneteenth week, which yeah. I was wondering yesterday. I, I went to New York. I had a, um, I did a. Uh, did you? First time in. Sirius XM Studios in two years. Oh, let's pause here. This is a monumental occasion. Are you serious right now? I am. What happened? Oh, wait, I don't know how how much or less you can say, but you ain't been over there in a minute, yo. So I'm starting this uh this Road to Freedom uh series there, and I'm gonna do a series of interviews with multimillionaires, and I, I interview Psyche Terry, who uh is the creator of Urban Hydration. A woman I hadn't heard of until I watched this documentary about Black Wealth. So, you know, I have Don Peebles in. And I was saying the fact that you, your company is worth $11 million and I never heard of you speaks to how plentiful and abundant Black people's dollars are because she was able to be uber successful without being on my radar. Like that matters. But I'm just like, you know, and I love it. But you'd be aware. Yeah. She escaped notice completely. That that says something for somebody like you. You you like the police scanner. You always got your ear out looking for her to escape. How did that happen? Yeah, exactly. Because black people's money is, is, you know, we, we support one another contrary to popular belief and we are abundant uh, contrary to popular belief. And, and we do support. So, you know, in her circle and her, she started her church group uh, with church ladies and, and it just spread from there. And in Texas, you know, she's an icon and I feel very um, proud of that. But I was up in this space yesterday and it was it was nice to see a lot of people. And at the same time, I'm like, COVID's still here. man. And, and so we had a virtual audience. A lot of Nubians showed up. Um, uh, Ned Zamorad. It was like it was nice to see yeah. them on the screen asking questions. So. Yeah, that was my really thing. a lot of convergence and synergy going on. Were there a lot of physical people in the building? No, not a lot in the building, but on the roads, that's why I was bringing it up. I was like, why are these people? It took me forever to get home yesterday, and it was like the middle of the afternoon. I was like, oh, it's a holiday. They headed up to their uh, second house or whatever. I was like, yeah, so isn't that something? This holiday for African people, and these people were like, hey, it's just another holiday time to go to the show. Happy Juneteenth. June Rich white people, happy happy Juneteenth. I ain't mad at them. Do what you want. I mean, you know, we can't control what other people do. So, but that's uh, yeah, the convergences are really something. We're seeing this energy. I was telling you before we went live. I mean, we had a we had our freedom school training yesterday for the new group of academic advisors are going to be advising our teenagers, and you know, a plurality of them, more than one or two are in narrative in nubia so i was like wow and they were we and the convergences were there you know what i'm saying i mean so because we use those conceptual categories 
in our freedom school work and so they already knew some of them who are new to the program brand new just like i hired in the last couple of weeks they know already the points of entry and i'm seeing wow and then i was in um wasn't in we supposed to be in chicago but uh the national association of black social workers actually had their conference they sent me this beautiful award shout out to melissa haley the president kalita nichols and them i am so they just came you know i see because they can't the uh look at that nabsw award this is great it's the black onyx award look they gave me the join us the highest award i'm very happy to, I'm, i just these are my people plus i think the nabsw has one of the greatest logos of the black professional associations that came out of the 60s because we know national council of black lawyers national council of black social uh, association of black social workers um national council of black studies but nabsw you know they got the sister with the gun <laughs> in her hand and the scroll represents the degree and of course you don't have to be a social worker to be in a an association of black social workers and in fact i talked about tony cave because you know as we know she was a social worker she she worked with social workers and she herself did social work for a couple of years after she graduated from undergrad anyway i went through all that to say there were a lot of people in narrative and nubia who are in a in association of black social workers as we were you know have cops like man this is just the convergences are people are really you know this is the new normal i love it all right well thank you we shift in the conversation and thank thank you i mean none of this could happen without oh and let me say how we work kareem speaking of people bringing their bricks yes one of the architects today is his birthday so I want to say, hey kareem happy birthday happy to you. birthday kareem um, yes, the, the uh, invisible wonder. Um, ah, right. So today we're up super early because you're going to an event um, later on yes. somewhere. And uh, it's, can you tell us a little bit about it before we? Oh yeah, let me just do about sixty seconds on it. The uh, we know for the last several years, uh, our friend Reverend Dr. William Barber and uh, Reverend Liz Steele Harris have been the cold kind of conveners and public faces more than anybody else of the poor people's campaign. Um, and today is the poor people's campaign, low wealth uh, people's assembly on the national mall here in Washington. And it's the convergence. They're starting to head down there. Now the program starts around nine 30, I think. And the Pacifica network, um, its branches in Houston and Cal Berkeley, New York, VAI, and WPFW here in, in DC. Uh, sister Katia Stitt um, is the station manager, general manager. And they asked me to be one of the anchors. I think Julianne Malvo, Ron Daniels, a few other people are going to rotate anchors. And so when we leave here, I'm going to hop on a train and go down to the mall and, and join the assembly. Um, you know, we were talking before. You can tune in to WP, WPFW FM. It's uh, it's the you know the Pacifica station, which actually the Pacifica Network started out there in California, Cal Berkeley. It was started by and uh, the anti-war movement, some people, pacifists, hence Pacifica, and it's completely listener supported and community supported. It doesn't do commercial ads, and you know they've sustained themselves over the years. And PFW, um, big part of the Washington D.C. Uh, area, but as I said, Houston, Cal, Berkeley, uh, New York, and of course, BI there in New York. That's famous, yeah. right? I was this close to doing a morning show. Really? 
I got to Sirius XM, I was in Ooh. the morning show at WBAI. You know, one day, one day we just gonna have to maybe we do that. We just where you just walk us through some. I mean, because I know coming of age, and I was already an adult, but I feel like in many ways my political consciousness took a quantum leap when I started spending time in New York. Because at that time, some more marksman, you treat lead. I mean, the the, the 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 Brooklyn City Sun was being published. Andrew Cooper, the the, the Amsterdam News, which of course is still around, but it was really. I mean, Armand White was writing. I mean, y'all, all the people, Bob Law, you know, of course, the, you know, the great Gil Noble. I mean, you all in WLIB, and you were over there as well. Now, and I realized that those those aren't that there hasn't been that's a watershed moment there's there's nothing before or since that moment in the 80s and 90s in new york that i mean so many of us you know just got our consciousness in that moment you and you know and there are too few people around who can tell that story and you one of them so i mean you that story's got to be told because people don't even remember and some people obviously weren't around or, or old enough to understand that story needs to be told because it's a model for what we need now Facts, facts. Uh, speaking of models, um, we <laughs> you're modeling a shirt. Uh, oh, you know, this people, is, yeah, this is gonna be a crossover event, y'all. Crossing. It's a, it's, a, it's a Maroons medicine chest in class with Car Bonanza. Oh, now, but let's welcome the queen herself. The queen, the MMC herself. Yes, unmute yourself so we can hear all of the gloriousness coming from your thok. That's right. That's right. Oh, M Hotel Gary Bird, no question mark. Then the Nubians dropping out. Yes, sir. G the global black experience. No yes. question. Good yes. morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm in. What's up? Hey, I'm feeling excellent. I am so glad you mentioned BAI. I had a show on BAI for probably a year and a half. And then WPFW, 16 years I was on WPFW um, with a show uh, there uh, called Bush Medicine, which is just like our maroon medicine. So uh, on there for a long time. And I am absolutely thrilled to have contributed to a station with such a storied history and a network in general. So I'm, it's, it's a confluence of events that we're all here together. That's Can right. I say something about right. the people in this room right now? <laughs> that, that, that the universe has convened the, I mean, there, there's like 150 years of, you know, cause we all as babies, <laughs> like of experiences of relationships that, you know, now we're together. Y'all don't even know what's about to go down. Like it's already going down. It's already going down. Like that, we are not just together, but in not not just in community, but there is a a thread, a common thread that runs through all of us in this room right now. That's right. To, to see everyone who is watching to be freer, to be better, to be yeah. healthier and wealthier and wiser, and all of that. Yeah, wow. it's about being of service. Um, I mean, when you work for a radio station that doesn't take advertising mm. um, for that long, I remember being before I was pregnant with my almost 19 year old. And then I remember coming all the way through to the point where, you know, this child had entered high school. I was on this station is <laughs> it's a level of commitment. And you guys, I mean, the examples of service, you know, this is about life of service um, is stellar. I am thrilled to be in the company of, of public servants of, 
of cultural custodians. This is excellent. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, we found each other again. How about that? Now the ancestors got it there. I can't even. I don't even. I don't know. How did I miss that? What days were you on, Senyata? I was on every Thursday for an hour. Uh, probably not hard to miss because you were busy during that time. But no, I mean, um, when was, this may have been before I moved to D.C. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But I also really loved BAI going down there on Wall Street and getting it done. <laughs> you were down there at the WBAI before they moved. Yes, sir. Had to pass that bull symbolizing the... Uh, that bull? This, this <laughs> symbolizing that bull? <laughs> Occupy Wall Street. I remember listening. Oh, well, I mean, but anyway. but So you you are the link then. You, you link those two stations. I yeah, I mean I couldn't get away. Wow. I was, every time I'm, I tried I'm to trying, get away, they kept pulling me back in. I'm about to say, I'm I'm trying to wonder now. In fact, we talking it up. I'm Katia and then maybe listen. I'm saying, how could they let you get away this well, time? I know Katia very well. I know Katia, yeah, she's excellent. Her father, an amazing musician, which I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people might not know though. You might want to say a word about that great saxophone player. A lot of people they know the last name Stit, but they would yeah. say hey, I mean. Cool. You know, a player who's played with everyone from Coltrane to Miles to, I mean, this is, you know, these folks have amazing lineages, which is fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I'm thrilled to be here for Juneteenth. This is excellent uh, timing for us to talk about, you know, the historic aspect of, of Black folks and that linkage that we, that we still have. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, though, I can't, ha- I, I'm like, we have started something that I'm super excited about with the reading of Earthseed. Uh, taking a beat. Yes, I know. So with Octavia Butler, those of you in Calabash got to get your Octavia Butler. Get on that Octavia. I know. And I was like, why? Get your citrus, get your lemon juice. Other than your, your schedule, I'm like, why haven't we had uh, Dr. Amen in on these conversations? Cause can we spend just a minute with this ancestor? Can we spend just a minute with this ancestor? Can That's, we a spend- That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful image. Uh, yeah, Oct- Octavia Butler um, is is one of my patron saints. <laughs> as, a, as a nerd girl, you know, collecting comic books as a kid, um, you know, being interested in sci-fi, you know, other children playing with dolls. And I was like, I want to like it, but I just <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> I tried it. I was like, this is just not working. Instead, Star Trek was my thing. And, you know, just all of these um, fantastic worlds that remind us that we belong in what our future settings were amazing to me. And when Octavia... Octavia Butler entered my consciousness with her first sets of books. I was floored. I was floored. I thought, this is exactly what I'm taught. There are other people who are also, it's like you find your tribe, just like we're talking about with radio and, and broadcasting, you find your tribe. And even skulking about the bookstore in those sections, I started finding other people who were picking up uh, her her um, exogenesis here, like all of it, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> other nerds." I was looking for you. <laughs> I'm not alone on this planet. Yeah, so- I felt that way, and so it's just like this this reunion, this remembering, you know, the bringing of a member of a, of a body's parts, like the 
like in Kemet, you know, those those stories of, of ISIS bringing these parts together to mm. remember we are all these pieces of, of one whole. And when she was writing this, it also struck me that the, the um, seed, no pun intended, this earth seed that runs throughout all of her series is about the biologic imperative. Yes. Her work is about um, this is a natural world that is being affected by unnatural circumstances, but those are also natural circumstances because of the way that people behave toward nature. And um, it's absolutely amazing that she was um, prescient on, you know, just uh, global warming and um, the destruction of uh, natural resources and what happens to people in that context. And the fact that um, the right wing uh, political system in its um, ignorance and willful ignorance of nature can create these situations that even take us back to slavery, you know, the, the conditions of slavery and being enslaved and and captive in, in camps, encampments. And I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Her work is stellar and fantastic. And when I discovered later reading about her that she was dyslexic and um, as a child, her mother was recommended you know, by school counselors that she, that Octavia, Octi, Octavia <laughs> would never, <laughs> I know, that she would, she would never really amount to more than um, the job her mother was doing. She was advised, hey, train her in being a house helper, a housekeeper, a maid, um, something like that. And, and that's no shade on people who do that work. That is real work. Um, the thing is that her mother said, you know, this child has a talent for creating these worlds. And just because she can't write these letters and words the way that you are demanding at school doesn't mean she's not thinking about this stuff. And the fact that she registered her in a writing program and it took off from there and you know, just the idea that she gained the regard of other authors I had been reading, Harlan Ellison, and um, mm. you know, the idea that these became these teachers of hers, these mentors became her fans, and I, I just can't. Let me stop. I can't. No, I, no, no, don't stop. No, I threw that ball up at the rim. That's right. <laughs> so that you can shout out to the Warriors, everyone, but Draymond, you already know I'm messy, but I threw that ball up to the rim because because this is the this is what community is supposed to do. You know, you fill in the blanks. You know, I read it with a certain eye because of my experiences and, and lack of background that you have in medicine. But also I didn't discover her as a, as a child. So I didn't grow up with Octavia Butler. I, I met her through Tanana Ribdu. You know, that was my entree into this world. And then she introduced me to Octavia Butler. But Tanana Ribdu, I cannot say enough about her. Um, I have the pleasure of, of having met her many years ago when she wrote The Between and, um, and then coming forward into My Soul to Keep and My Soul to Take, that whole series. I was floored 
by her and the idea, you know, Octavia Butler was my intro to Tana Nareev Do. Mm. She was um, mentored by, by Octavia. And as I started to see her books on the shelves next to that, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and then what I find um, fascinating, and I and I don't want to, you know, you don't no. start me up. No, this is why we're here. What I found interesting was that in reading the between, in reading my soul, to, which you know I wish was made into a movie. I know Blair Underwood had bought the rights years ago, and it mm. never actually manifested, much to my chagrin, but. Um, not that that's his fault. It, it's hard to get these things made. Um, but as we move forward into um, all of these amazing authors work, including Octavia Butler, is that what you see is films that are closely mimicking TV shows and films that I feel like they've lifted the plots from these books and not honored these authors um, and then there are things like The Handmaid's Tale, which gets made and not taking anything away from that author, um, uh, Atwood, but the idea that um, that can be made, but somehow these other things don't get made. Somehow, um, what's the one with the uh, heart, uh, um, uh, the one on HBO that has now been cast with the Black Journey, Journey Smollett is in it. Oh, oh yeah. What? What is it? Um, about, um, um uh, Misha Green's project, the one that Lovecraft they can't. Lovecraft. That's gone. Yeah, yeah Lovecraft. Country. Well, it, yes, but it happened. <laughs> right. It, it happened. It happened to and a moment, and then they were like, happened, uh, and you hmm. can cast black folk in it, even though the author was clearly racist, right, and a yeah. eugenist. Um, that's amazing to me. Um, not in a good way. And so as, as I look at our authors, I mean, I don't know if you guys have, do, have you watched The Handmaid's Tale? Oh yeah. And, and read the book. And then the second, the sequel, what is it? The Hours? I'm looking around here for it. If I see Margaret Atwood, she continues it, right? What, what season, the next season should be coming up soon. Yes. And what I noticed in her, in the work that was produced for TV were two main things. And this connects to Octavia Butler. Uh, trust me. <laughs> uh, the first one is that um, race has been removed from the story. And if we've read the books for Handmaid's Tale, we know yeah. that race is pivotal in that yeah, story, yeah. in that people who were of color were either murdered or sequestered into uh, encampments, that um, the idea that that they were also handmaids, people of color, was not in the original story. No question. The second thing I noticed is that the husband of the main character, his name is a name that appears in Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, uh, Bancole. Bancole. Yes. The husband's name, that's, uh, that's his name. Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes. Yes. No. Not no, Rafe, not Rafe Fine. Oh, not Rafe no, 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 no. It, um, it's uh, oh, oh, the brother. Yeah, he's a British actor. The brother, is, yeah, that's right. He's, he's, he's yeah. hilarious. I had the opportunity to, to sit with him. He really? is hilarious. He's like funny as hell. He's really funny. Yes. <laughs> and he's, he's he's a sort of a comedic actor, actually. Yes. Um, yes. And what I found interesting was that they in the story they gave him the name Bancole, right? And 
that is a definitive nod to Octavia Butler because it's not in the original story. So someone inserted that into the story, which I'm glad that they did. I'm just wondering why her work can't actually be produced. You know so why? Don't get me started. They <laughs> the racial component, which is odd to me that they would ever have black handmaids. Because I was sitting in my spirit, I was like, y'all ain't really trying to you have know, black, it's, it's black, black, black babies. It's DEI. I mean, it's diversity, equity, inclusion. It's the exact, I mean, no, they were produced. We said, no, but it's taken away from the actual reality that we're living in right not, now. Not in a, not in a, they want us out of here. They want, well, that's the whole thing. If, if a social structure wants to maintain its hierarchy, it's not going to let you see things that undermine its hierarchy. I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's going to, it's going to survive. So, I mean, the black, that'll cover the, that'll cover the crime. I mean, the same thing in Man in the High Castle when they produced that right. Amazon with, uh, you know, Philip K. Dick. In the novel, Man in the High Castle, they spend a great deal of time talking about how the Nazis literally did an ethnic cleansing of the whole African continent to turn the continent into their breadbasket. Right. There is nowhere in Man in the High Castle. I mean, <laughs> and the whole black insurgents that they do get into, it does, it pales in comparison. I mean, like, they're not going to create a situation where, in other words, this system is okay. It goes off the rails, but ultimately it will correct itself. And when it does, it'll be a wonderful multicultural world. In other words, the, yeah, which is why Misha Green got a little too close because the United States is going to break up. We know it's going to break up, but yeah. you can't show that on HBO. No, season no. two. No, no, hell no. You definitely can't. Um, <laughs> you can't show it. No. And, these, and Octavia Butler talking about it too. No, that's too much. Yeah, it's too much. It's but too you much. will see it. In work like the boys, I don't know if you guys have. Watched oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, absolutely. About to, about to but but you know, the boys they're gonna take Homelander. I mean, if you, right. <laughs> ultimately, the, the idea that this Uber Mensch, yes, right? yes, this Uber Mensch, this amazing human being, which is really just a parallel for Superman, right? No this is just a parallel for the maybe without the Jewish, right? And the ultimate white boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate. Um, really ultimate immigrant. How about that? Okay. Who comes into a situation with a set of talents that could be lethal if he turns, you know, I, I, I always say that, you know, the difference between a super villain and a superhero is perspective. <laughs> it's oh, just, no it's just opinion, right? I mean, almost every superhero has a point. Thanos has a point. You know, people are off the rails. Right. You know, people have have perspective and points, and so as long as those points suit the the hierarchy of um, aristocracy and capitalism or whatever, then it will proceed. And so that's one of the reasons why Octavia Butler's work can't really be produced because what it's what at the heart of what she's saying is that the way that human beings in positions of power are behaving is contrary to the earth. It's contrary to people living in harmony together. Right. It's That's contrary right. to a proper social structure. That's right. And the boys, I love that show. <laughs> it is unafraid to speak to the politics of what's going on now. And it's unafraid to say, what if Superman was an asshole? Like, like, what if because he's so powerful and these other people that we put into these powerful situations, what if they just were off 
in a, in another way. And um, I absolutely love the work that they're doing with that. And it does mirror what Octavia Butler, you know, it has humor and tons of gore, um, but it really mirrors that kind of work that, that puts a spotlight, you know, uh, that goes out macrocosmically to say, this is what's actually going on. We're going to give you hyperbole. We're going to give you a situation that you can't really imagine, but if you change the face of the players, then you'll see that this is what's going on. So I love Octavia Butler um, specifically for the work that can't be produced right now because it, it it does fly in the face of the current social structure of of wealth, of middle class gap, of I mean all of that. Well, we are. Um, I think the one solution in it is the community, right? And I just want to read as an entry point to everything else we're going to talk about today. Uh, Bancole, uh, you know, there's at towards the end of Earthseed, of course, he and Laura get together and she's telling him about Earthseed. And he says, okay, all right, but tell me what do people have to do to be good members of an Earthseed community? And I was mm -hmm. thinking about that in, in relation yes. to what we're doing right now, which is in Nubia. And she said, it was a nice door opening question. The essentials I answered are to learn to shape God with forethought, care, and work to educate and benefit their community, their families, and themselves, and to contribute to the fulfillment of the destiny, capital D, capital D. And he goes on to ask, and why should people bother about the destiny, far-fetched as it is? What's in it for them? And she responds, a unifying purposeful life here on earth. And the hope of heaven for themselves and their children, a real heaven, not mythology or philosophy, a heaven that will be theirs to shape. And I think about every day coming into this space where mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, asking people to bring their brick to build a world that doesn't exist right now, the world that we want to live in, because we have the power to do that collectively when we are remembering and coming together. And so that makes it even more beautiful to be here today on a Saturday as we contemplate freedom, Juneteenth. We got Boston apologizing for slavery uh, and white folk taking a day off for a day of, of, of freedom for the last people enslaved in this country. Uh, they get a holiday and a sale and get to go to the beach. I find it ironic and unusual, but ap absolutely appropriate. Quintessentially Absolutely. American. You spot on. Yeah. Absolutely. Quintessentially American. So with Juneteenth, I, I'm, I'm glad we're meeting on this weekend. Uh, it all dovetails into uh, Octavia's work, into the work that we're doing here, into the beautiful community that you've built, uh, Professor Hunter. I mean, it, it, it mimics the themes in this work. And even Juneteenth is, is really talking about um, these arbitrary dates. I mean, let's be clear, right? That the time between the Emancipation Proclamation being signed and the actual holiday of June or, or folks being, you know, emancipated for real is what, Dr. Carr, like two years? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's fuzzy because you're making a very important observation. And I'm glad you anchored Octavia Butler in people as opposed to like a morality play, good versus evil. Again, a lot of these things get turned into morality plays. And I remember an interview she did with um with Juan Williams, I guess, maybe Talk of the Nation. 
Yes. In, in which he says, you know, he, he's trying to, as Juan Williams would do, you try to make it into a good versus evil. And she says, I'm really not writing about good or bad. I'm writing about people and what people are capable of. And so the morality play of the United States simply doesn't reflect reality in the sense that Juneteenth is funny. I was watching. Uh, it's so funny because this is definitely hey y'all. This is this. This is wonderful. We had to do a lot more of this because this is definitely a nerd fest right here. You know? <laughs> watching uh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Margin Call is it with uh Jeremy Irons and on a, it, it yeah. about the the collapse, social collapse, right? And and Jerry Jeremy Irons' character is saying at one point, you know, it's only money, right? And money is only you know paper with people's faces on it that allow us to not kill each other so we can eat. <laughs> and so, I mean, like it's, it's it, 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 the, 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 the morality attached to it is arbitrary. And so when we talk right. about 1865 and then, you know, June 19th, 1865, it's a date in the morality play, but all of those numbers are dates in the morality play. They're, they're, they're almost like a, a way of keeping score in a morality play, 1776, 1619. That's why I say 1776 and 1619 are the same number. People say, right. no, no, let's not do 1776. Let's do 1619. It's the same number. You're talking about settler colonialism and taking something away from somebody. So then why is 1865 important? Well, that's the end of the Civil War. And the country was united. The country has never been united. First wow. of all, there's no country. And 1865, as you're saying, Doc, in April 1865, Lee surrenders to Grant in Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia, down the street from where we are. But the Confederates don't surrender. They look at what happened in Virginia, in Texas, which they founded as a colony. They wanted to have their own country, 1836. By 1865, they have moved so many of us out there in enslavement. They have taken so much of Mexico. And when they got in trouble, the United States comes in and takes the opportunity to take a lot more from Mexico, what we would call what? Nevada, Las Vegas, California, 18. Uh -huh. Texas hears about the surrender, and there are very few federal troops in Texas. So when Sheridan shows up and they come into Galveston, Philip Sheridan sends his lieutenant out there, Granger, and he reads that proclamation on June 19th, 1865. You know, he's saying, okay, African people are free, black people are done. And then he tells them, stay at your homes and work for wages well we ain't got no homes oh you mean stay on the plantation yeah and then he says and y'all have the right to contract for your labor the same as anybody else that's not an emancipation proclamation what do those white confederates say oh that's cool uh let's see you enforce it and so <laughs> people think of oh, juneteenth that was the day we were told we were free yeah they said that but the enslavement of African people continued after yeah. June 19th, 18th. And Dr. Carr, we, as you mentioned, Mexico, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't even discussed, well, at least right now, I know you've discussed so many. No, let's, 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 we have a conversation. Um, the amount of Black people who left Texas and went to Mexico. Well, that's yeah. right. Well, and, and in fact, I'm so glad you raised that because, and, and I talked, we talked about this uh, when we did our piece last week. Again, building out all these spokes and bringing all this governance. When you and I had a conversation in, uh, on the black table, you know, Gerald Horn's new book, The Counter Revolution of 1836, he makes that point. Mexico, of course, had abolished enslavement under a part Afro Mexican president. Right. And 
black folk have been escaping to Mexico for quite some time. These racists in Texas wanted to do two things. They wanted to exterminate all the indigenous people in what they wanted as a country of Mexico. Uh-huh. And they wanted to enslave all of us. Right. And so, but what happened, of course, this is where it gets interesting, right? The French violate this Monroe Doctrine that these settlers have created in the United uh-huh. States. They come into Mexico and cite and foment and support a civil war. And they got this cat Maximilian who is running Mexico. And they then reach out to these Confederates right. and say, why don't y'all, you didn't lose the civil war yet. Appomattox is just a pause. Why don't y'all regroup? So these Confederates start coming from New Orleans. They start coming from Alabama and Mississippi. They come from Texas. And so as Africans were flooding into Mexico to, to what you're raising, now the French government in Mexico is supporting slavery. And so black people on both sides have all of this kind of ennui. It's like, what are we going to do? We got to And so there's another June 19th that occurs. 1867, right? Maximilian is defeated and executed in Mexico on the 19th of June, 1867. That is one of the things that short circuits the Confederate plans to basically stage a rematch from Mexico. And they're getting supplies from places like California. The San Francisco, they were shipping arms and munitions to the Confederates in Mexico from San Francisco. They were going to continue the Civil War. But what you're raising is very important that because what they realized, again, as Octavia Butler would say, these are people. There are right. no good guys or bad guys when you're focusing on people. Anybody is capable of anything at any time, depending on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But the numbers we play with are anchored to a morality play. And now we got a holiday on Juneteenth. And the question is, why is this a priority? It wasn't a priority in 2018 or 2017. Oh, you killed Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and you was afraid we were gonna tear up the whole damn country. Well, let's give you a number (laughs) to bring you in. But this is not a number like 1776 or 1619. This ain't a number like 1941 or 19. This number here, you have no you have no connection to this number. <laughs> if we're gonna have a conversation it's around arbitrary, this, it's so arbitrary. That, that's exactly yeah. right. How do how how should we be looking at this ritual as part of this tapestry in a place that has never had one narrative? How how should we even approach this ritual of Juneteenth? Right. This this makes a lot of sense. I mean, um you know, the just as you know, these holidays that were given are um, arbitrary dates, and I, I'm not making light of no. our celebrations. Um, just like you're saying, this is these are arbitrary dates, and just like borders, as you're talking about with Mexico and Texas, are arbitrary, yes. and yes. this country and that country is you know even even terminologies middle east you know anything is an arbitrary geopolitical terms that's right that what we're looking at is how do we as you're saying how do we ground where we are how do how do we take control of that narrative like what we want Mm -hmm. to celebrate how we celebrate things 
and bring that understanding from a historic perspective into, into our lives on a daily basis. Yes. And the celebrations of Juneteenth have been uh, that thing. And, you know, I mean, no celebration for people of color, especially, but people globally can take place without certain things. And that means the music, that means the food, that means, you know, there's, there is a gathering that takes place. And the, this is not exclusive um, to people of color, to, to African and Asian folks, et cetera. It's not specific to that. Or you know, oceanic people. You know, I want to include all the brown people. On yeah, the I just say the non-white people because everybody got a color, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and and celebrations of that sort are germane, also, right? To you know, festivals like Beltane and and you know these these spring rites and rituals that still mm. exist under the guise of Christianity. You know, what does a, a, an Easter egg, an egg, and a rabbit, and a what you know have to do with Christ, you know, going up into the sky like this. Like, I don't you know what I'm saying. Like, right. I'm just saying right. that we have to, what is a Christmas tree? You know, an evergreen tree that go, grows in cold places have to do with a baby born in a desert. Like, all of these things are actually just overlays of celebrations that had already been taking place. That's so right. when we look at that, you know, no celebration is complete for people in general without food and drink and music. So we have to, um, you know, center ourselves in what our celebrations looked like traditionally prior to the Mafa, prior to, you know, our own Holocaust of being stolen and murdered and raped and brought to another place and and forced in labor and forced in in life um, and so much taken away from us with regard to food and music and the ability to gather. That's germane to celebrations that now uh, we need to see what we can reclaim. This is a Sankofa. Uh, reclaim. How do we reclaim things and make it pivotal to us? Because nobody can tell us we have a holiday all of a sudden because they don't want another 1968. Right. They're That's like, right. don't do that 1968 where you. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's, That's right. going to mess up our money. And, you know, and, and, these, and don't these, and, these promissory notes that aren't worth the paper they're written they, on. Like, no, this will right. mess up our joints. That's I mean, right. You know, Dr. Carr, talk, talk to us about that. No, I'm, I'm I'm taking notes. That's why y'all see me looking down. That's what I'm doing. What, um, right now, what you said, what our celebrations were like prior and why we mark, why do we commemorate? What do these celebrations do? So whether it be the food, the music, the gathering, why, or when you say celebrations, these moments of remembering, just as you say, these moments of remembering, what is the significance and i know you've talked about this over and over again you just dropped a piece here in the washington post about this and you talked about it at the black table but i mean it's just an extension of what you've been talking you talked about it when we were at the retreat in hershey you know the significance of what we consume how we prepare it what we identify with why are we doing these combinations of not only what we ingest but when we do it where we do it why we do it all these things together and as you were talking, I'm thinking about the why. Juneteenth 
And you know, we've seen some of this noise. People are saying with well, the Juneteenth flag, and so it's his. I mean, it, it is hilarious to see all this red, black, and green associated with Juneteenth. I'm seeing you know also in Walmart where we the right with ice cream got the June right all that stuff right. And I'm saying okay, and and but we know the Juneteenth flag, which is a more recent development. Is that we when those of you who are not yet in Nubia or narrative, when you come in and come over, we did a long conversation about Juneteenth last. Yeah, in fact, I don't know. Yeah, actually, this recent book on Juneteenth, Edward Cottom's book, is the cover of it is the color of the Juneteenth flag. We see uh -huh. it's red, white, and blue. It's not red, black, and green. But the irony, and as you say, talk about ironies, the interesting thing about it, all these white folk who think Juneteenth, because it's black, it must be red, black, and green. You have imported, talk about an Easter scenario. You've imported colors that are associated with black self-determination and pan-African, not American exclusively, a pan-African concept into a concept that is quintessentially American in the sense of this resistance. Now, I, I said that to, to, to say this. Then... Inside black communities, as you know, as I know, as we know, people are narrating in the social structure we're living in now. Juneteenth was celebrated in Texas. Now celebrated all over the world. No, Juneteenth was celebrated in Buffalo, in New York City. We used to go to Philadelphia. Are we in Philadelphia? We had, in fact, there's a Juneteenth celebration tomorrow. I'm going to in Philly, uh, Milwaukee, Rochester, Minnesota. LA. Juneteenth has been celebrated, and places like Richmond and other places, Virginia, they would pull in the red, black, and green. So there is a, a kind of pan-African. There is an African grounding. But but this is the thing is you you asking what you know what do our celebrations? How do we what are we doing before the trauma? Before the trauma, it made me think about the fact that we're here, and you know you and I both, and so many of us in this room now travel to the African continent, various places on the African continent. We just passed, of course, as we know, June sixteenth, which in the in South Africa is Youth Day. But it didn't start as youth day. It was, as we know, that was the day in 1976 when these black children said, we're not learning Afrikaans. To hell with Afrikaans. You have overreached. And so that was the Soweto uprising. Right. <laughs> and so they took, but 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 I'm raising it in, in comparison to Juneteenth for this reason. Here's a date. And in fact, I pulled um, this little book. It's an excellent little book. If you want to read about the Soweto uprising, it's called the Soweto uprising. Yes. You know, and of course, this is the famous picture where you see... Uh, Hector Peterson, who was a young teenager who was shot, he's dying as he's as these young people are running away from the bullets. That's a Mbuyisa uh, Makubu who is carrying him, this brother right here, and the sister running inside. That's his older sister, Antoinette Satoli. And Antoinette Satoli actually is, um, let me see, I think I pulled, yes. I got this one of the last times I was in South Africa. It's called Soweto 76. This is the uh, catalog talking about the what happened in Soweto when these young people, of course, here go the damn South African police, the blood brothers of the Texas Rangers and all the police in the United States who killing black people. They shot these young people because they wanted to put that Bantu education in place. But I bring that up is because um, wait, Mr. Tolley. Wait, it, was that a whip in his hand? Oh yeah, no question. Just like his brother used in Texas. Want to point out? No question, no question. And they all in the newspapers talking about riots and everything that happened here happened there. There's Kruger, of course, but well, that's where they learned. That's, that's where not, they learned. They were let's, together. Let's be clear. That's you know, um, that's where 
the the modern policing in this country got its handbook. That's right. You know, That's right. um, and That's and right. training. That's and right. you know, you know, you off the charts when the people who trained you are like, "Wow, you guys are wild over there." Wow, <laughs> like, what the hell? The US, <laughs> you really? Y'all still? Oh, wow! You right. No, well, but this see, that's, that's that's really the point, though, and that's where how you not only remind us but demonstrate to us the why we do what we do in our ritual moments is yeah. so very important because it isn't just resistance. I mean, as we say, and by the way, I mentioned uh, Hector Peterson's sister, Madam uh, Sitole. Mm -hmm. She still works. In fact, she is one of the staffers at the Hector Peterson Museum. In fact, that's where I got this book. She, we went to see her. She, we were at the Hector Peterson Museum in Soweto. But, but I'm raising that because what happened in 1976, June the 16th, it was a moment of resistance against this settler regime government, this minority white government. Right. And uh, as you say, a kind of pre preface, not preface, not prelude, uh, kind of preview of where this country is headed in terms of a minority white population, not all white people, but the ones that want to hold on to power in this country by fracturing the country, by taking their states, as you say, whether it be Texas or Florida or these other places and saying, if we're going to be the minority, we're going to maintain the political power. Well, we see a preview of it, as you say, in South Africa, and they right. resisted on that day. Now, prior to everybody being able to vote, the Soweto Day, June 16th, 1976, that's a black, that is a freedom-minded people. If you want to join black folk, the people you call colored, whoever, that is a day of commemoration of that sacrifice in this larger movement when this minority government said we're going to impose our will on these people and those young people said no you have crossed the line now we speak zulu we speak swana we speak Kosa, mm -hmm. we, but we're not going to speak afrikaans now you've gone too far oh. and then when they push back now here now let's contrast juneteenth is our marking a moment which symbolizes emancipation, even though we know that actual date did not end our oppression up to and including now. And it didn't end enslavement in Texas, in Oklahoma, in Louisiana. You see right. people continue. But now that it became a national holiday, and now we can make the contrast. That's why I want you know ask you about the significance of our rituals and what we do on this date and on this kind of thing. In South Africa, when Black folk took power, they said, let's go through the calendar and look at every day we pause to commemorate our struggle and convert those days to national holidays. So the Sharp Town, uh, Sharp, the Sharpville Massacre, they took that day. That's a national holiday now. They renamed it. Right. The Soweto Uprising, they said to now in South Africa, that is National Youth Day. Mm -hmm. Wait, it's a, this is a national holiday, but they're majority black. And right. so... They now here in the United States, they say, okay, Juneteenth, that is now a national holiday. Okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean now that we're going to get this health care? Does that now mean we're going to re re restructure the federal legislature? Does that mean everybody's going to have a, a right to have housing? <laughs> no, that just means that we are going to pay cream. ourselves. You know, we're we going to give ice cream at Walmart. Ice cream. Well, not only ice cream at Walmart, we're going to open the door and produce huge concerts with people you like and love like quest love and then they have some at the hollywood bowl here in dc you're gonna have a yeah tickets 200 a piece wait a minute what just happened oh oh no i'm sorry 
we're going to take your holiday and turn it into the 4th of July because right. we don't need 1865 to be your resistance, the extension uh -huh. of your culture. We need it to be another number in our narrative. Whereas in South Africa, when they converted it, no, we are never going to forget right. who we are. So I guess what, what I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of asking you about this is okay. everything we do during Juneteenth that now other people want to learn about, or at least some people just want to capitalize on it. Could you talk to us a little bit, Sunyata, about the things we do around Juneteenth, mm -hmm. some of the rituals, some of the foods, some of the, the whys we do them and how if you come into these practices, you're not going to be able to sterilize them Right. Or somehow divorce them from the why we do them. Could you talk about some of these things? Because some people people gonna be drinking red soda. They're gonna be eating red cake. They gonna be, they say, okay, you did that, but you right. can 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 they corrupt it? And why do we do some of these things? Well, the, these are great questions, and your points are stellar. Um, I do want to say though that the festival here in D.C. that is the Juneteenth huge concert with all the people that people like, and I find it interesting that it's especially artists that may be skewed towards the 16 year olds to, you know, maybe 25 year olds. It's very interesting that that's the period of um, artistry that this break, stuff that, is Break this down for us, Doc. Cause see, I, I mean, I've been focusing on with Reverend Barber and them and, and Poor People's Campaign. Yeah. So I haven't really been paying attention to the June right. 10th. Right, well, I think- What, is, what I are think they doing? What are they, what, I think it's doing? interesting that that is juxtaposed to, like you said, days, oh, let's never forget. Instead, it's a festival and it's not Questlove, it's Pharrell, actually. Oh, it's for, that's why Pharrell has been in the news. He's doing a DC concert. It's a three-day event. Um, tickets are like $400. Stop playing. Um, <laughs> no, wait, no. See, okay, I'm starting to curse in here. I know we can, are you, are we serious right now? And what I looked at the lineup of artists, like I said, I, I feel like it's my youngest daughter's age, the people I've heard in the house. And, you know, so, you know, the, so maybe going up to less than 30 for sure. Right. And, and it's interesting to me because um, I didn't see many artists on there that I would even be interested in, including Pharrell. And I would say that. How about um, that? Oh, he's the new black though, so maybe he does. He is. Yeah. Yes, he he's an acceptable. And he did just didn't he just forgive some debt for students? Yes. So you know he's an acceptable. Um, I see. Negro. So I would say that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, what? And so our mayor here in D.C. has gotten behind it, and you know they gave out some free one-day passes to you know high school students like. 40 students are going to go for free. It's like, come on. So let me not digress. You know, I, no, 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 no. This yeah, is not just, a digression. Wanted, yeah, I, I wanted to tie it to what you're saying. Please, about please. How this becomes yes. um, something that's that's happening, you know, at the at the foot of the obelisk that is the <laughs> that, is, that oh. is a reproduction of Kemet and you know, he's brought this festival from Virginia Beach 
to DC, which is interesting to me. It had already taken place there a couple times. It's called Something in the Water. And like they brought it here and it's and it's right at that area. And you know, it's just it's just very interesting. Um but this, isn't, this isn't a museum one, is it? No, this is a this is a huge outdoor. Okay, because I know I know the National Museum of African American History and Culture. No, because they explicitly said theirs is free. So yeah. this is a paid no, event. This is like a four hundred dollar event per person. And then you give so, out a, a few tickets to the poor black kids and cover your criminal enterprise. There it is. Oh, for real. Um, you said it. Um, I mean, it's a criminal. I, I ain't mad at for real. I mean, you know. We had those kind of characters in the 19th century. I know he says he's a new we, black, but minstrelsy not new, young brother. Right. We we have a lot of that. So um, when I when we when we look at this kind of thing, um, mm. what we see is our resistance. Let's just talk about joy. Come on. As Come on resistance. Now. Come on. That our joy and our health and our connection to ancestral food and drink and music, lots of the things that were edged out for us um, are returning through these um, rituals, you know, yeah. through, through Juneteenth and other gatherings where we're able to push into those spaces. So when we look at, as you mentioned, these red foods and drinks, let's, let's just talk about our continental connection. Um, I wrote out some names for you. So Bisap is our red drink in Senegambia. We got Sorrel in the Caribbean. We have Rosella in the Horn of Africa. We have Kerkade in North Africa and Egypt. And you know we have um, Agua Fresca de Jamaica. And we talk about just now how um, so many Blacks went into Mexico. Right. Yes. So many black folks, not just not just from Texas, but that whole area coming yes. across, went into Mexico to um, to be free of enslavement in this country. And along with that, took those things with us that that love of red drink. And when we talk about, you know, later, the Panama Canal and all the Caribbean folks who came over to help build these things. So whether we're, you know, in, in that Central American region, Costa Ricans, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're, Belizeans, what we're talking about is this intercultural exchange. So like in Brazil, we have Vinaguerra, we have um, red drink throughout the United States, right? And these drinks, um, are red. These foods are red. Lots of the things we're eating, the hot links and the and red barbecue sauces and the red velvet cakes and the red is one of our um, ancestral colors, meaning it's something that ties us to the power of ancestors. So a lot of times when shrines, stay with me. Take your time. Take your time. Come on now, Doc. In honor of our ancestors, Come on now. we have a red candle. We have a white candle. We have red palm oil on the shrine. We have um, red clothing. We have, like, I have on bracelets for each of the seven African powers, Orisha. And so these two, like our Alegua colors and our Shango, who's uh. the king, the that, that king that we have in our mind. <laughs> is not an actual like character in our minds as much as um and these people did you know it's it said existed at a time right but what we're talking about shango is that extension of heru of, okay. of horus and as we moved so before, as before you go from shango i was gonna say i keep that i keep that on the uh 
on the altar. Okay. These are the joints That's I get in the hood. You yes. New York, Philly, DC. And, yes. this one, and this one came from one of the right. places y'all think you're about to talk about. This one came from Salvador Bahia. But go that, ahead. You're about, you about, you about to make that. I'm going to come back over here before they get mad at me. But you saw the pants on him. Our, oh, our oh, 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 no question. Let me, I'll hold yeah. it back up so everybody can see. Y'all see what y'all see what Dr. Amon is talking about right there? Those red yeah. pants on Shango with that yeah. double head axe right there? Two-headed axe. Yes. And the red pants. No question. And, um, go ahead, go ahead, Doc. A, a legua with red and black, right? Yeah. We're talking about this self-determination, right? Shango symbolizes the king inside of us, that royalty, that regalness. When we talk about will, the the, the personal will. When it's divine with when it's when it's aligned with divine will. So what we're talking about is that even being um, oppressed under enslavement, our desire is to connect with our ancestors because we ask them for help. Ooh, my grandmother. Oh, and I got I had a dream last night. And yes. ooh, and you know we still have those connectivities. We say to a child, "Ooh, I know you've been here before. Look at look at this child." You know, we we have those understandings, even though much of that has been suppressed by the Christianity we were handed, okay. not the Christianity that actually is the underpinning. That's right. Um, the the OG OG. We're talking about what we were handed in order for us to feel like we were on the bottom of the totem pole. Let me, so, let, me, let me ask you before before you continue, just as a, as a moment, growing up, you know, and the people who would convene at you all's spaces in New York, did y'all sell dream books? I'm just curious because my mama had course. one. When he had a dream, you had to get the number. My mom from Alabama, Stone Cold Christian, but that dream book, that number book, talk to us a little bit because you said it, it, it wasn't suppressed. We kept, I always wondered about that. Could you talk? <laughs> we always kept our numbers, uh, you know, Allegoa with the number three, you mm. know, that repeating three, like even in the bracelet I have on, there's these three, you know, three lines, three black lines, and yes, you have a yes. black candle. And so it's like this idea that, um, you know, so with with the, our personal will being taken from us, red is a defiant color. Red says, I'm alive and I'm joyful. And it's and it's also our blood and it's our, our um, suffering, but it's also that we deserve joy. It mm. is all of that. There's no way to separate that. We don't have separation of church and state. How about that? How about that? <laughs> we have a whole village concept that all of is is like Frankie Beverly's joy and pain, and pain. And sunshine and rain. <laughs> we have the entire aspect yes. at our disposal. Yes. And we've been going through the seven African powers in maroon medicine chest. Yes. Because yes. It's important for us to understand that it's not about like many gods. That's the way other people understood it who came into our spaces indigenously. The way we see it is we have all of this within us and in nature, and we can exercise it at any moment. And with Alegua, this is about communication. This is about opening of the way for obstructions. And yes, those dream books, look at how modern society has taken that to make the lottery. How about the, that? The, our um, celebration of numbers and that we would have um, an exchange in our culture of you get, you know, I had this number. This means, you know, profitability. This means somebody's going to have a wedding. This means somebody might die. This means somebody's pregnant. Dream about fish. Somebody's, you know, right. we have all these um, 
dichotomies in our in our society. And one of those things that we have in common when we're in the Caribbean, when we're in it just diasporically, right? Central America, South America, um, North America. This is about the scattering of people, depending on where boats landed. Yes. But it's about how much we actually have in common. Yes. And the fact that those traditions did not die because we didn't die. They didn't we're die. We're still here. They didn't die. And so when we talk about red food and drink, we're talking about celebration. We're talking about connectivity to the ancestors. We're talking about um, our joyfulness because that's a revolutionary act in and of itself is to be able to celebrate in an, in an environment where celebration is generally denied to you because of the working conditions, you're tired of shit. Right. How can you celebrate when you're right. working from can't see to can't see? It's just exhausting. And the oppression and, you know, the 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 trauma and abuse, it's, it's hard to find that joy. But somehow we connected back to our food and drink. And even when our drum was taken, we had shout ring shouts and church stomping on, on the floor and hand clapping. None of it could be taken from our hearts. So when we look at Juneteenth, we have our music. We've got red food and drink. We have red, um, you know, those hot link sausages and all that. And again, what happens is the ability to bond. Even the barbecue is part of our um indigenous native american absorption of um a, a process of preparing food mm. so the the word barbecue comes from the arawak native carib people from south america the 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 northernmost most and in the caribbean that's why it's called the caribbean is carib native people mm -hmm. is that the word for rubbing spices on something and burying it in the ground on hot coals and all of this process um, <laughs> that some of us call jerk seasoning. If you're, you know, Jamaican or in other places, this is called barbaco or barbicoa. It means barbecue. And right. so that even that aspect that many of us have that is African and Native American blending is all about our relationships to uh, nature and food as celebration. Could you help help, help us with, with a, I mean, we've all seen the image, maybe even eaten it, where you take an animal, you put it on a spit and you roast oh. it over a fire. But this digging into the ground, I know uh, last week when I was down at the museum and they were talking about having this Juneteenth thing, I said, we're going to find out if this is a black museum. And now you Negroes going to dig a pit in the front <laughs> of the National Museum of African History College. Because they said, we're going to roast a whole hog. Because you roasting it back there in the kitchen. We're called <laughs> You going to go outside and dig a hole. But you did, just. Did they? Are they? No, of course not. These oh, are responsibility okay. Negroes. You know, they, they don't got a permit. With you. But but to what, you're, what you just introduced to us. Yeah. Is there a particular significance of digging into the ground to prepare that meat? Because that is absolutely, as you said, these these basic maroons in Texas. I mean, it's, George, it's George, absolutely George. true. Yeah, and, help us with that, because I didn't want to miss that. Why dig a hole, Professor? 
This is absolutely true. So what we're looking at is indigenously, you might uh, roast these things above ground sometimes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Sure. But as we required maroonage, and that's our Native American ancestry and, um, you know, kidnapped and enslaved uh, African people is that to prepare food where it gives off smoke can also be a problem because you can be discovered. And so we were taught a lot of times in the Caribbean, right? If you, it, you know, for those of us who got that history, sometimes I find that not all of us did mm -hmm. is that the, um, as we entered maroonage as um, African people and we combined with native folks who were there already, they taught us how to bury the food and roast it and put banana leaves and other things on top so that we could not be found by the smoke rising. So it is a beautiful way to prepare an animal if that's what you're doing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. Right. Um, no shade, right? No. So it's a this is a, a traditional indigenous way. So this is a beautiful way to prepare this animal very deliberately with prayer um, before oh, hunting it, with prayer to the ancestors before, you know, uh, and the creator, like, hey, I don't mean any harm to this animal, but I need to feed these people and we're and I will honor this creature uh, because it has given its life to help nurture our, our clan. Yes. And in the process of that, it deserves beautiful treatment, mm. not to be under plastic in the store, mm. buying it in a little container. It right. deserves um, reverence and, and treated where everything from the rooter to the tutor is going to be eaten. The tutor. Um, you know. <laughs> because that means that we are not wasteful in this gift. Right. No, you, you you just raised it just it just conjured an image of those first Juneteenths, which are written about, and to this day, where the main event may be on Saturday. And of course, as you say, Sunday with our institution, the church in that case, uh -huh. people are gonna have speeches, they're gonna be baseball games, but the preparation of the food would begin days early. Slow roast. I mean, you just, I mean, that was a whole ritual practice to it, huh? I mean, they would go get the wood, they would carve out. So if the thing's going to go down on Saturday, they may show up on Monday. I mean, help walk us through that. How does that even? Absolutely. And those things fit in line with our um, indigenous, and when I say that, I mean like our African and Native American sure. uh, reverence for the preparation of the food and the intention right that we put into the food nobody should be angry when they're preparing it who made a potato salad you know what i'm saying <laughs> if it's that angry auntie who you know she real i don't know if i could eat this even if we right. go in a restaurant and the and the chef is like putting the stuff on the plate even if the plate looks good i don't like your face right now wow. i don't like how your face looks because i don't need you to put that anger in the food yeah. and that's part of our loving preparation of these things. So when we talk about uh, our connection to barbecue, our connection to red food and drink, we also see, as we talked about, Dr. Carr, um, at, at the top of this, uh, the ability to commercialize those things. And they've already been aimed at us because of our deep and endearing love 
for these this red ancestral connection, this red um, cola nuts, these red palm oils, these yeah. red drinks. Our hibis the hibiscus runs in our blood. Wherever you see that hibiscus, you see Africa. Your t people are having these little red zinger tea and the whatever you know. Is why we love this stuff. They're tasting Africa. Is that why so many of your teas? Have a biscuit. I've noticed that when I'm looking at that, you put a biscuit in damn near everything you ever, even the stall. Is, is that this is very intentional then? Who told you to read those labels? Oh, are you kidding? You, <laughs> you, you the one telling us don't put nothing in your mouth that you don't know. I'm true. not saying I'm not delinquent in many ways. There's, when we come to your stuff, is. this is absolutely true. Hibiscus is seen as a mind, body, and spiritual herb for oh. us. It is a plant that is held in high regard. If you visit somebody's house, you just get off the plane in Egypt. You get off the plane oh, no in, question. In, in, the, in Jamaica. You get yeah. off the plane. You're going to be given either a fruit punch or a rum punch or a hit. All of these are hibiscus driven. Yeah. And you may even get your Morocco. You're going to get hibiscus with mint. You're going to get this is a, an idea of I am inviting you to community. I'm refreshing you. And here I want people to be refreshed and reminded. I also want us to have lowered blood pressure. Please. I want us to have clear skin. Please. I want us to have uh, the ability for our digestion to be great. Please. These are reasons why our ancestors were also still very connected to hibiscus because we were working in inhumane conditions no where our cooling was needed. Hibiscus opens the blood vessels, it vasodilates. And so that's what helps the blood pressure come down. And that's what also throws heat off of our uh spaces in our bodies so that it's a coolant it's called in herbal terminology it's it's something that is going to make our body temperature go down a bit because imagine the heat i mean so so many of us would have been sunstroked without oh no question plentiful water and the other things that we need and so even drinking that red drink felt like fortification Ooh. or our Ooh. souls it's a bomb to our souls and the idea that capitalism in this country recognize that wait a minute these black people who have now been freed up from enslavement allegedly right they like red soda or they like red drinks let's make a red soda big red right let's make as time moves forward let's make um these drinks that are red or you know even cola nuts are red you know, you have white and you have red cola nuts. I mean, we start to move into red sodas, red drinks, Kool-Aid. Right? <laughs> we start to move into it being marketed deliberately to us. I mean, even the Kool-Aid man. Hey, hey, it's Kool-Aid. Louis <laughs> right? Armstrong. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, this man, it's like you break people's house yelling out, oh, yeah, like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> like, and you know, just like the other things that are marketed to us, look at the sugar, like sugar crisp. I'm sugar bear. Sugar, right? Sugar bear. Oh. He's a oh, sugar bear. Young pimp. people don't know what you're talking about, Dr. Amin. I mean, you don't know about that sugar bear. Look, those, those, <laughs> those watermelon candies, the Jolly Ranchers, the, the, um, 
the red links, those little nasty things that used to be yeah, on the counter. Like in my neighborhood in New York, it was on the counter. Um, all of these candies with red wrappers, all of these um, fast food places where red is part of their logo, you know, uh, Popeyes and McDonald's and, and Murder King and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's, Murder King, Popeyes, you know, even the pizza ones, red is prominent. It's you like red, red, red. And so what it's doing is creating a sense of urgency in us. Like, I need to have this. This is delicious. Chick-fil-A, all of it is red. My and God. we are main consumers. Don't ever get it twisted of this food. They're going to sell you fried chicken in these places, but they're going to embarrass you to make it yourself and eat it in public. But they're going to sell you a boneless version or they're going to sell you a bucket that's red and white or they're going to tell you that equals celebration. Let me get a bucket of chicken for everybody. Word. <laughs> and then, right. and, and what we're, or what we're going to do is go to Chick-fil-A where they don't care about us anyway. These these racist, you know, oh, that guy. Hey, I'm sorry, y'all. We're going to stand in the line. We have one down the street from our house and the line is always around the parking lot. Nah. I mean, people don't even go in. They sit in their car and drive through the drive through. It's amazing. So, can I can I, I mean, so there are so there's so much that so, Juneteenth then. And other rituals like it, like I said, you haven't even yet touched all those other emancipation rights and rituals through the Caribbean. But but Juneteenth isn't just a moment of memory, remembering a moment that was a watershed moment in time for us. You're saying it's also a moment of a bomb, creating a bomb, restoring us, re-energizing yes. us. And you yes. you just by narrating it through the food, even the stuff that may be not good for our bodies necessarily. Not at all, all good. Not but, but, at all right. good, but, but, but what happened is our love for those things, yes. our joy, our ancestral joy, you know, culminating in these in these red sauces and red, yes. you know, paste and red foods and red drink and and cakes and so, you know all sausages on the grill that yes. barbecue sauce, all of it connected, yes. yes. and and people realize that who are making money on our celebratory spirit. On the spirit. One of the but, but, ways but, but, that we can reclaim this, Dr. Carr, is to give ourselves permission to have those things. Have oh. those things. Have the fried chicken. Have the things that you like in a celebratory fashion. Know that you're being marketed to other stuff because there's something in you that wants those flavors that give you comfort. And a lot of it is in our DNA. A lot of it is what your grandmother made or auntie or great grandmother, but a lot of it is in our DNA. So it, it never left us because think about this, Dr. Carr, our bodies were brought forcibly from a place where these plants grew and alongside human cargo, you have plants, you have food, these herbs. That's what I want to ask you about. Traveling with us. And so they're laying next to us in our darkest moment. My God, my God. And my so God. when we get here, it is the one thing. It is the that bittersweet drink is a bittersweet love letter to our homeland. It's mm -hmm. it's saying, I am drinking home. Mm -mm, I'm drinking home. I want to ask you just a couple of other things, though, about this very specifically. One, Don't get me started, Dr. Carr. You no, got to look, 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 this is Juneteenth. <laughs> this is Soweto. This is Freedom Day. This is this is the solstice is coming up. S-O-U-L, as, 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 as Professor Hunter says. 
So this is this is why we're having this convening. One question of the two comes directly in the wake of what you just said in terms of the the herbs, the spices, the things that came with us and how we co-mingle them differently. Right. It's a question, and I know that, you know, at Calabash, one of the things you all do is introduce things that allow us to have that flavor and taste but are better for us. Right. What are some substitutes as people are making their sauces and that you might introduce? And then the other question is about something that is absolutely healthy. But as you say, because we have too often listened to institutions outside of our community we have shied away from at least a certain class of us have in terms of consuming and could you talk about the watermelon that red milk? i mean but anyway both of those two things mind. no go ahead please my mind, brother because i just wrote watermelon on oh okay <laughs> me too okay so we writing it the same <laughs> so watermelon another red fruit because for african people we count things that are deep orange and pink and you know like our love for pink lemonade is, is just red drink we count these things as red in the caribbean we don't have um orange we don't i'm gonna tell you right oh, now really we like okay so in jamaica you have colors people say that red thing that red gal i was always that red gal that red <laughs> something there that red red up his head top red up like if if you get a lot of sun and it gets you know yeah yeah and it's um red you have yellow or bright that's something that bright something it's yellow but i've never heard a lot of people who are speaking patois refer to something as orange it's red they they will call the same thing red this chair you know some other thing that's pink is red and so watermelon is also I, I use that as an example to say that even things that are pink are touching our soul even things that aren't necessarily deeply red no question and so watermelon and fried chicken run together as these foods that are traditionally in this country societally associated with people of color of black people yes and you know, many of us, as you said, of a certain type, yeah. right? She, she, um, you know, the boule. We, <laughs> we, many of us will not eat, you know, fried chicken and watermelon in mixed company, My right? Goodness. We, we will um, reserve that for, you know, being boneless in, you know, or made into another fashion. Or we're on, we're at the beach among, you know, we're at the Inkwell, right? Inkwell. We're at the Inkwell. We're at, we're at Martha's Vineyard. On the, on the we, vineyard, right. Yeah, we're among our own people. We have a basket of fried chicken. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop. You know, and so, you know, uh, okay. I'm a basket, not, I'm not, okay. not the paper towel absorbing the grease out. <laughs> not the tinfoil, a basket. It's very nice. A basket. It's very nice. A very polite with gingham print. <laughs> and so what I will say is that part of our um, celebrations come with using our hands with food because this oh, is man. part of our Africanness, our fufu hand, you know, our, our oh, eating with our hands and eating fried chicken and watermelon. I assert, I, I feel like one of the reasons why we get separated from that food and, and sometimes embarrassed by it in certain capacities, right? Not among our own people, you know, typically, right? But it's because 
we've been made light of. You know, this goes back to that uh, Birth of a Nation movie, right? With the watermelon and fried chicken flying in the air with black people. We're talking about the, what, what year was that movie? 1915. 1915. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is this association with, um, the wildness of the untamed, you know, primitive behavior of eating with your hands. And so these foods, many of our foods, we want to eat with our hands, right? Things that come off the grill. No you're not really using a knife and fork unless you're really real stush, as Jamaicans call it. Just you're, you're act real stush. <laughs> you know, like you're real uptown. And what one of the things that happens is that divorce from that food affects our health. So watermelon is a great food for us. Traditionally, we don't spit the seeds out. The seeds is actually where the medicine is. So when people say, I, I eat watermelon because it helps my blood pressure. Yeah, it's got a lot of water. The name is watermelon. Watermelon right. is a gourd. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, like a pumpkin. It's in that same family. It's a calabash. Is right. All of these things are gourds and it contains great food. And really, it's the seeds, those black seeds yeah. that when we eat them, they are the ones that the medicine that helps the blood pressure. And this is not to say that people shouldn't take blood pressure medication. If you need it, you got to talk to your doctor about changing your diet. But part of it, well, what do you tell people because you're a doctor? I mean, you're a naturopathic doctor. So when somebody comes, you say, Doc, my blood pressure. How do you know on both sides of it? Every day people come in and say that. And my conversation is about these are the things that we have, Dr. Carr has discovered, that have hibiscus in it. Let's go ahead and use these indigenous medicines, our traditional home medicine. Let me put pepper in the tea for you. Oh, Almost all of our hibiscus teas have have African bird peppers, all of that. And, and people like, oh, I love the ginger in there. Yeah, there's ginger, there's Jamaican ginger, but there are also other elements that I'm trying to help us connect back. Our love of red, our love of, of these deep colors, you know, even indigenously, our, our dark maroons and purples. Maybe that's why these kids drinking this purple drink because they really want these intense colors that contain red. And this is something you can only find in nature, in these herbals, in the in these indigenous medicines, unless it's dyed modernly. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't dye it. Color to you. So when we look at candies that the children are marketed because they're low down on the shelf at the CVS or whatever, and the children are like, I want that. I want the one with the rainbow. I want the. Damn, want that's the true. 7 Eleven, CVS, they're on the bottom row. They are red and they are yellow and they are orange, which is all really the same in our registry, right? No and these things are marketed directly to us. These people are at war with us. They're killing us. So our answer now yes right yes. is to take the things we love and return them i'm so glad i think one of the reasons why um hibiscus drinks have been returned to us beyond our love of them at juneteenth and and in just in the summer is that jamaican restaurants caribbean restaurants start you know started popping up more in the you know 80s 90s and beyond and pushing sorrel as a drink mm -hmm. that can be drunk anytime in jamaica it's very associated with christmas because that was the holiday that enslaved people had off 
So this, again, is a joyful celebration celebrated with this red drink. You see it throughout the Caribbean when it's crop over, they call it, where the crop is over, where that agrarian work that we were forced to do has a break. There's a break where we can just breathe. Can I just live? Can I just live? Let and so live. that living is celebratory. It's the connection to the ancestors. It's the personal will of Shango. I can do what I want during this mm. time. Even okay. if it's just lay down. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you about some of what you would recommend. And you already kind of covered this too. That other question I asked you about substitutes with the peppers and, and the thing. In your, specifically in the full range of things, those teas, and I ain't asking you to give away any any secrets, but that Octavia <laughs> Butler kind of bringing thing about to you, those rich colors and uh, what are some of the teas which you would say these combinations, the cooling factors, but also the heat and everything. What was some? What are some? Would you say of the ones that you all create? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you said that we're having a sale right now because I want people to get that into their spaces. Come on. Hey, I know y'all think we planned this. We did not. Plan <laughs> we did turn on the camera and we talk. This is what we do every week. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I, um, we have Juneteenth. So red drinks and the code is red drink. So people oh. can get, um, you know, 20 percent off red drinks because I really want us to put these you know, whether it's a caffeinated version, whether it's a decaf version, whatever, like back in our palate. We need to decolonize our palates. We need to come on, start come on, come on, come on. Okay. Um, I'm drinking the water. Right. Because here's what happens. The minute you start, we start eating real foods. Mm -hmm. When you go back to try to taste Kool-Aid, you're like, what the fuck? Like you're like, what does this taste like plastic? Or, or, or to like your steak. earlier point, red, because we don't call it Kool-Aid. <laughs> they market no, it to us. It, to right. So we don't even have a, a flavor that says cherry or we love red drinks so much indigenously. It's in our DNA. We just call it the flavor red. Red, give me the red. red one. I just want <laughs> Maybe I'm interrupting. So so you got okay. So right now you're inviting people in to to to, to sample some of these yeah. restoring. Right. And, you know, instead of using these seasoned salts and things that are just not great for us, use things instead. Like sometimes people come into our chat and they're like, how much sodium is in this thing that uh, this jerk season or this other thing? I love those questions. However, what we need to understand is that not all salt is created equal. And this is part of our celebrations tend to have salty, crispy foods. No question. It's just part of our love, you know, no is like crunching on things and it's salty and crispy. That is a, um, is a comfort. And what we need to understand a lot of times is that when, when real great salts are used, not NACL, not that table salt, which is in you know, adobo and this and that, you know, and, and lorries and all these other seasonings, when we're using the um, organic salt, like these really great salts from these other areas, it does not affect you the same way. So, you know, it's like using raw sugar or using other substitutes. It does not affect your body the same way because it has not been altered mm. into that white food, that white salt or white sugar or white flour or white. So we have to shift our thinking just a little bit in, in little regard bit. to that. It's not how much sodium. It's what is used as salt. So I, I just think, you know, when we think about Juneteenth, this is a this is a sip 
right? It's a, it's a sip of celebration yeah. of, of soul food. It's a sip of soul food. And so not all soul food is just, you know, food you bite on there. The drinks are pivotal and we're marketed those things. So we have to like pull it, even Coca-Cola, we're marketed that because of our love of the cola nut. It's, it, you know, Coke and Pepsi. So we have to just look at how that our indigenous herbs, spices, seasoning, food ways, um, love of colors and our ancestral connection become someone else's uh, billion dollar industry, trillion dollar industries. Mm. And without us, it would fall apart. So let it fall apart. Let it fall apart. Let it fall apart. And that's part of Octavia Butler's work is like, let it fall apart. Come on now. Could they, that you we about we'll we that's right. We'll go to Mars. We'll go somewhere else. We'll go somewhere else. Apart. We you are don't want us here. We're out. No, and we so are you out. Don't want us in Chick Fil A? You don't want us in these other because if they wanted us, they would not feed us like that. This oh. is this is deliberate throwing of junk, the stuff they don't want to eat, throwing oh. at us. And how different is that than eating only the pigtails or only having the back of the chicken or the whatever. And we made the most of that. Yeah, we did. That joint delicious. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. But you However, okay. now we have it marketed back to us again. And we have to really be cognizant of our uh connection to the natural world. And that's what Octavia Butler's saying is that when we're in conflict to nature, we will suffer. Yes. We will suffer. And so what we have to do is back away from the, the cancer, the high blood pressure, the, you know, the other issues that we have going on, even our nervous systems are majorly taxed by this food. So how do we shift? How do, how we, do we, shift? we make peace with our bodies? Oh, so how do we say I, I'm, I, you know, I don't need to be modeled thin because that's not healthy either. I, you know know. I, mean? I, I grew up in New York. You know how many models I know that are just on Coke, which is another substance. Mm. They're on not the coca leaves. They're on the processed white version or smoking cigarettes all day. Or, you know, I mean, it, it will blow your mind. The things that people do uh, in order to maintain unhealthy standards, those are not our standards. And our standards of food and drink and social occasion, we have to really pull in who are we, dial into what does that look like for us? Because we are no longer the same Africans we were. That's right. We're no longer, we are a different set of people that has never really been seen before. My God. We need to act accordingly. My God. So can, can, can we, because um, my nails is to get ready to go down here on the mall, because I now, yes. like, I want to I stop by your spot before I do that. <laughs> but I, I got to figure out how to get out of it. But I mean, you've already laid out, you laid out at the beginning the whole inspiration in terms of Octavia Butler and how far back you go with her and how that journey. Could you, Tell us a little bit about our Activia. What? Um, the tea that we made? Yes, ma'am. Oh, man. The, one, the one that I came over there, you was like, watch this. And I was like, come on, stop playing. You <laughs> <laughs> hooked on the stuff. I mean, could you talk? I mean, yeah, I made people, it. I made it for you. And then I put a little lemon and it changed into a nebula color. This and is what I'm saying. Somebody's like, wait, wait, what? Okay, I'm going to stop talking. It's a, lo it's a liquid love letter to this amazing soul, this amazing person. And I, I don't even want to say woman. 
you know, I, right. what I want to right. say is that we, you know, even traditionally, indigenously, we don't have to peg people into these pegs. What we what we do understand from understanding the Orisha is yeah. that we can manifest anything at any time. No question. And this person, right, gave so much in the way of imagination that the least I could do is to literally give her her flowers now. That tea is full of flowers. Hibiscus is a flower. It's full of, of um, uh, butterfly pea flowers. It's full of all kinds of, you know, I my job in my mind was to make it look like outer space. When you take it out of the package yes. and for it to change color and then to honor her with all of the traditions, those herbs and, um, and curatives that are in there because I only wish, you know, I was supposed to meet her before she passed and it is my greatest sorrow that that didn't happen. But my greatest joy is that we can give and we should give people their flowers now. And so that is literally my gift in to this ancestor who gave so much to me as this little nerd, you know, little black nerd girl who didn't like Barbies. I was like, I'm not playing with this bullshit. Yeah, what is this? Like I used to say her body doesn't even look right. It's not proportional. I don't even understand what's going on. And my cousins were like this weirdo. So I, I just to know that there are other weirdos, you know, and so many right. of us here, right? So many. And when I say weird, I mean it in the magic context. No question. When, we, when we look at Shakespeare, when they talk about weird, right? We're talking about the ability to manifest things on a, on a saucery level, on a, on a magical level. Oh, yeah. And as people of color, transmutation is our gift. Magic is our gift. The gift of the magic, like being able to take one thing and turn it into another. Look at our food. Our food, we took trash and made it so delicious that they ate it. Okay. They're like, ooh, I love these grits. I love this cornbread. I, I love, love southern food. I'm like, you love black people food. Love black people. Right. You don't you just don't want us to uh, to, to, to live. No. Let us Not live. Now they're serving up heirloom grits. Heirloom and so and so grits. this. And and these and these chefs are are getting James Beard Awards and all these other things for just reimagining or replating, repositioning in tiny I mean, little portions. I'm, our not even, food. I'm not even going to name the person that just popped in my head because it's probably a good guy, whatever. But right up on Georgia Avenue, a, a kind of a boutique chic chicken spot then popped up. I ain't gonna repeat. I ain't gonna name it. But I'm like, really, really, is this what we're doing right now? I, I want my mama chicken. <laughs> I see it with Caribbean food. There's a Caribbean restaurant here in town that the guy had the nerve in the article to be like, oh, I um, I had an aunt and she used to make this food for me. So now oh. I'm making it. I'm like, you mean your house helper? Like cut the Come on. Oh yeah, yeah. We and, got, we're Nashville, we got The name of the restaurant is an indigenous food to us. It's cassava made into a cake. It's our food. It's our that food. The very name yam, right, as, as a word, is a borrowed word from West Africa, mean, nyam meaning to eat, yeah. you know, because we associate yams, our, our cassavas, our, as some people call yuca, right? And malanga and, and, all, and, and calabashes. And, you know, we associate those things with being able to eat. So in Jamaica, we still say nyam. 
Yeah. Like, oh man, you nyam off all the food. It means you ate all of it. Ate you know, them love nyami, nyami, nyami. When you say things twice, Africans say things twice, it means very, right? Yes. Like, nyami, yes. Nyam, nyam. You know, so what we're talking about is our language is used, the word yams. And the fact that that's part of our celebrational foods, almost no gathering would be complete without candied yams. Oh, because no, oh, it no is question. our memory of home. No question. And in these things traveled with us in these cargo holds. And it is the one sets of things we can reach back to. Now, as we prepare these things, we don't need no marshmallow on this sweet already. It's sweet. We don't need that much sugar into it. Mm -hmm. We need to celebrate the cinnamons that come from Africa. We need to celebrate the nutmegs and the things that make it sweeter. We need we need raw sugar or agave or, you know, we have to appreciate the flavors of home as they exist so that we can have healthier versions. Don't stop having our foods because our soul foods are not sinful and they're not embarrassing and they're not day class a right. they're actually reinterpretations of what we loved about home what we loved about home and say so, and then you like you said we we're we're a new people <laughs> new experience but you're leading us back into ourselves which is why you always ask how, how how can you heal us how, 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 how you that's the first thing people walk in the shop how can we help to heal you today we, we don't you? say how can we heal you how can we help because you're doing the healing. I'm just the midwife. You're doing all the work. I'm oh, push, push. My job is to help you, you know, well, and my job and my and my other partners in the shop, you know, my, the folks I'm training, they're the doulas. They're there to dry you off. Oh, you could do it. You could do it. So my job is just catch the baby. You understand? You're doing catch the baby. <laughs> well, like Tony K. Bombara said at the beginning of Salt Eaters, you know, the, the first question we got to ask ourselves is, do we want to be well? <laughs> before you become wellness is a revolutionary act for us because this mm. society never intended for us to be well that's exactly it right. intended for us to work as long as we could and they factored that out that's where that actuary science comes from that's exactly but it's right used in in insurance process well that's our brother howard french talked about that that's Absolutely. right the Dutch. That's right. That's, it's like let's figure out how long this negro is going to live till we have to replace it with a new negro my god my and god. and that is why we have to take care of ourselves we did have these conditions we were eating these things we need to just reinterpret them into ways that serve us not just not harmful, but actually serve us. Serve us, free mm -hmm. us, make us well. This give is us free. Give us <laughs> us free. Oh, Prof, you say it's the new normal, Professor Hunter? This is what yeah. we're talking about now, huh? You got to go. Uh, so I'm, like, I'm going now. I'm going, I'm going day. Day. We can do this all day. That's all day. That was just your cargo. Yeah, we had so, to do this. This is a special. No, this was, but I was also going to remind everyone, if you're new to Nubia or new to yeah. Nubia, you can go yeah. to Dr. Amin has uh, I want to say 30 plus lessons now um, where you can be in community with yes. all this in the series that she's doing right now, going through, show up, show your bracelets again, going through all of the, uh, the seven African powers, the, yes. um, the Orisha that we need to be familiar with. And we see this in Kemet. It's just our interpretation. And we go through these so that we understand uh, why the days of the week are named the way they are, even in English and why, how we can tap into our own personal power. That's really all it is. Yeah, and if you are in the DMV area, 
go to Calabash where she will, she and her staff will help to heal you. And if you're not, go to calabashtea.com, calabashtea.com. There's a Juneteenth special, but she's not doing it for commercial reasons. She's doing it because she wants to heal. I want you to get that hibiscus, baby. Let's get that heart health together. Let's do it. Put some in my thermos before I go down here on the mall. <laughs> but but you know we we can't leave though uh, without mentioning another uh, important date in June because you know as these people tear up their country, I think they're gonna get it this time. It may take a couple of years, but uh, this January sixth commission, basically, I would say in some ways as an audience of one that Benny Thompson is after. Uh, his name is Merrick Garland. In other words, what they're doing is laying out the indictment <laughs> for the attorney general. <laughs> now, 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 it's up to you. We can't charge these cats, but dude, we didn't show everybody the evidence. All you got to do is indict. But it reminds, I think it should always remind us of another indictment from 1973, of course. They're comparing it to Watergate. The New York Times today has a front page article saying the Republicans are very different. Let me see. I don't find, I have put it somewhere. Yeah, here it is. Um, in 1970s, a reckoning. Today, it's a different story. Republicans close their eyes to the evidence of January 6th. So they're saying, it isn't like Watergate. When I say, okay, hold up. Before we talk about Watergate, we have to remember June the 17th, 1972. So that was the night that Frank Willis out of Savannah, Georgia, was working night watch mm-hmm. at the Watergate Hotel, saw a piece of tape on a door and said, uh, somebody must be moving something. Took the tape off, came back around on his shift, saw the tape was back, went and called the police. The cop at the second precinct in D.C. was in a bar getting drunk, so he didn't respond. When he called, Willis called again, they sent three undercover agents who had been hanging out in Georgetown dressed like hippies, because again, Vietnam is going on and the federal government is surveilling these white kids. And of course, putting black people in jail or out driving them out of the country like a soda. Anyway, these three undercover white cops dressed like hippies show up wow. at the Watergate Hotel. They did not trip the lookout dude who was with these criminals in there because he just saw three white boys look like hippies going in there. Uh-huh. They just, they just revealed that in 2012, about 10 years ago. Anyway, long story short, Frank Willis is the reason Richard Nixon had to resign. Spiro Agnew had to resign. People went to jail. Frank Willis out of Georgia, in D.C., night watchman, went to the grand jury here in D.C. At the time, D.C. was about 70% black. Frank Willis walked in the room and said, wait a minute, this the grand jury? These are black people, all these black faces. It was a majority black grand jury in the District of Columbia that indicted the Watergate people. <laughs> so so while they talking now about, oh, January 6th commission, it's like Watergate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara Jordan was a Negro who, yeah, yeah. The black security guard who right. never made money off that. These criminals went out to write book deals and get contracts, just like these bar and the rest of these criminals who acting like now we told Trump it was bullshit. Yeah, and then you try and say, pay me, pay me. <laughs> Frank Willis, who passed away at age 52 from a brain tumor, he had gone back to his native Georgia to take care of his mom. He got in some trouble. Uh, he ended up doing a little under a year in jail. Uh, in fact, Professor Hunter, the mayors of Newark, Kenneth Gibson, and East Orange, Jersey, sent $3,000 to pay for Frank Willis's lawyer when they tried to put him in jail for shoplifting. They said, this man has sacrificed everything. And at the moment when the people need him, he, he's need, in need, the people have abandoned him. It was the mayors of Orange, East Orange and Newark who sent the money to pay for his lawyer. 
Frank Willis, who then tried to apply to go to school to study law enforcement. He said, I'm going to stay in this. He, in the black newspapers, it was in the Philadelphia Tribune. It was in New York Amsterdam News. He came to give a talk. He was in Philly. And he said, I can't get a job, so I'm going to school. He applied to go to Howard. He did not get admitted. The student body president of Howard told the head, uh, the student who was the head of the political science uh, club at Cheney University in Pennsylvania, the reason Howard didn't admit him is because they were under pressure from the federal government said, we'll mess with your appropriation if you let Frank Willis into your school. So he didn't get into Howard, but Cheney gave him a full scholarship to go to Cheney once the students talked to each other and found out why Frank Willis didn't get accepted into Howard. Now, oh yes, this is our black college, black excellence. Shut the hell up. When Frank Willis needed you, you failed him. But the point is, I just want to put that on your plate for a minute there. In just that bourgeois Negroes. But at any rate, the point is that Frank Willis went back home he didn't live very long. He passed away in the year 2000. And I think it was Sam Irvin who was over the, the subcommittee in the Senate who said, you know, we owe Frank Willis a great debt. And the next and if we don't do something now to stop this, remember, Nixon resigned before they could indict him. And then Ford comes in and pardons him. Y'all better look at a preview what's going to happen in this time around if you don't do something with these boys, because they're going to turn around and they're going to be bigger than the mob. Guarantee they're going to break your little country up. They're going to break your little country up. Now, I'm not one Negro who's going to celebrate, but I damn sure ain't going to weep <laughs> tears. But the point is this. Senator Irvin said, out of North Carolina, Sam Irvin said, we owe Frank Willis a great debt because the next, if we don't do something now, they're going to do something even worse later. And there may not be, these are the words of Senator Irvin, there may not be a watchman in the night. Right. That time you know what I'm saying? So we should remember Frank yeah. Willis. <laughs> you know what is interesting, and we can tie this back to yes, Octavia Butler. Yes. Is that her anti-hero in the book, who's a politician, runs on the platform. I'm sure you guys have covered this, but runs on the platform of make America great again. And it's uncanny. It really is uncanny. That this is why you know, right now she is more uh, relevant than ever and will continue to be so. And that that is amazing it that really this right-wing political candidate says, make America great again. And that's how he gets elected. Mm -hmm. And that's the beginning of this entire shift of slavery coming back in and, you know, just all the other, I don't even want to yeah, well, I mean, we're picking up next week with Parable of the Talents, giving people a chance to catch up. Those who are still getting through Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talents, we're picking up next Monday. This Monday, Dr. Carr, just to remind people, we're going to be in community still, but you, what are we doing? Well, this Monday, as you said, I mean, in fact, let's just for the people who are new, We've been reading now, what is this? This will be week three where we're sitting with Octavia Butler. And we did Parable of the Sword for two weeks. It's very intense, including with Brother John Jennings. And of course, bit by bit, oh, I've been reassembling my Jennings. Look, this joint here, if y'all had this cosmic underground. Yes. Oh, yeah. You see, 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 Dr. Amon is a true nerd. You know what I'm saying? She be telling me, do you have this comic book? Do you have this graphic now? And I'm going out here spending my pennies trying to get all this stuff. John Jennings and boy, Ronaldo Anderson, he talked about Jennings, uh, look, Dr. and all the stuff is archived over there in Nubia, so everybody can see it if you haven't seen it yet. That conversation was mind blowing. And then the next week, we got it last week, we got into Parable of Sore. This week, because of last week, as we were talking, uh -huh. we were in it, everybody was like, Can we just 
because of what you said, Sonyata, because of what you said, Dr. Ahmed, she is so prescient. She is so a forethought. And of course, parable of the talents, just, I mean. Intense. So what we do, I was going to say, what we, yeah. what we do on Monday night, this Monday, we're just going to sit with Octavia Butler yeah. and give ourselves some time. And then the following Monday and the Monday after that, we will continue as we get into her birth uh, cycle time Good. We're going to get into Parable of the Town. So if you want to say something, Dr. Diamond, please, because we know, but this this Monday, I, you know, we're going to talk about her. I know you got, I know you got to go. No, um, I just, I, it all ties together so wonderfully with her work and these the idea of being given a holiday by the government and the and the idea of um it's just it's just so much but i really <laughs> i her work is so intense that you definitely i'm so glad you all are guiding people through this work it's it's we guide it's, each other yes because we were only supposed to do a month we're having this monday where we just kind of sit and breathe and you know come on in we're just going to talk about because we are doing this work together. This is what makes this the new normal. It's not like the talk and then everybody listen, take notes. No, we are building this together. Well, this is the only way, I mean, this is the only way it can happen, Earthsea. This is the only way it can happen, Nubia. Um, and I just want to thank you. Thank you, Dr. Carr. I was today years old. I'm from East Orange and I didn't know that Thomas Cook. Nobody know because it was the black press. I, I did not know that Thomas Cook, my mayor. Thomas Cook, it was Cook. That's right. And Kenneth Gibson, the first yes. of Newark, posted the bail for Frank Willis today. I paid for his lawyer, Prof. And it was in the black press, the governance press. It wasn't in the white press. That's probably why you was a little girl. You remember Cook, huh? Yeah. That was the first mayor that I remember. My God. That's what we have to do. We have to keep each other's bail money. I hope y'all got my money because you don't never know. Well, I might got, see the wrong you. thing and I, I need to make one phone call. I know where I'm, I'm calling Nubia. You got like, a nation. I need some money. Yes. KRS wants to say, you know, this is hip hop. We a nation. Don't you want to hear some more KRS on your radio station? You know, <laughs> this is Nubia. We a nation. Don't I you want to hear? You get in trouble. You ain't got to worry about that, Doc. Yes. <laughs> uh, Doc, Doc, Dr. Carr, you have to go. Um, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, I got to get down here. These down here. Like, I'm supposed to be there at 9 30. I, you're right. I'm going. I'm on. I'm on the way. I, I love y'all. I love you too. <laughs> love you. Love you. Nubians love you. We will see you in them Nubian streets, everyone. Nubian Monday, yes. Monday night, yes. Yes. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wow, we got damn near all days of the week coming. We got yeah, it. I need to jump in. I need to jump into Come that. Come on, jump in the line. Walk your body in time. Come on, come on. Yes. Birthday, I believe you. Bye, y'all. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Love you. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, perfect.